Global Broadcasting Networks presents Military Mom Talk Radio. We know behind every soldier, sailor, airman, and marine is the family supporting them. With over 200 episodes in 17 countries, over five seasons, with three million monthly listeners, we are Radio Strong. Now here are your hosts, Sandra Beck and Robin Boyd. Hey ladies, this is Sandra Beck and I'm here with Rosalind Sadaka and she is amazing because she's going to talk to us about active versus reactive parenting. And this is really, really important uh, when you are really trying to get through divorce and co-parenting and, you know, she's got this great network, Child Centered Divorce. It's all about the kids. So, you know, we are here today to help educate and enlighten parents just like me who've gone through, you know, high conflict divorce and are looking for alternatives. So I'm really excited uh, for you to meet Rosalind. Uh, Rosalind, I'm so excited for you to be on the show. Well, I'm always excited to talk to you and enjoy my time with you. It is. We have a lot of fun together, and, and you've helped me a lot. I will say, you know, of the experts that I've had on my shows over the year, you are clearly one of the tops in giving me exactly what I need, the tools. Can you give our audience a little bit about your background? For those of you who haven't heard Rosalind's other shows with us, you can go ahead and find them on iTunes just by typing in her name. I am a divorce and parenting mentor and founder of the Child Centered Divorce Network for Parents. And my passion in life and purpose is to help parents move through during and long after divorce in the best possible way, not only for them, but especially for their children, who we all know are innocent victims of these situations. And what I try to do is provide tools and advice and tips and resources so that we avoid the serious parenting mistakes that we read about too often in the headlines and so that we can give our children the childhood they deserve. And I know everyone who is focused on a child-centered divorce just innately understands that and wants wants that. Now, my background is that I was a, a wife for close to 20 years and I had a son And I was putting off, I wanted to get a divorce, but because I didn't want to scar my son, I put that decision off for close to 10 years, battling internally and trying to make things work right. But I was very, very unhappy. And then I finally started seeing symptoms in my son. He was getting migraine headaches and um, getting uh, very tense. And tension at home was was growing. There were more fights and conflict, and I realized that I wasn't doing him any favors raising him in a home with a lot of conflict and ultimately made the decision that the divorce was right, and he was 11 years old at the time, and I was riddled with guilt. And so I spent weeks and weeks trying to figure out how best to break the divorce news to him and how to create a healthy future for him so that he wasn't scarred in the ways that you hear about so often. And ultimately, I came up with a very unique approach to breaking the divorce news, which I used with him, and that was creating a storybook at home using family photos and text that I wrote that let him understand that the divorce was one step, sort of a chapter in our family life, but it isn't the end of life. Life is going to change in some ways and stay the same in other ways, and it's all going to be better. 
And then, of course, we had to live up to making it better for him. And I learned how to co-parent effectively with my ex. We raised my son, and when he was a grown young man in his early 20s, he came to me one day and said, you know, Ma, you did such a, you and Dad did such a great job um, after the divorce. I just want to thank you because I have so many friends who are so angry at their parents and so scarred by the divorce situation. I really feel I'm very lucky. And that was the greatest moment of my life because I had been so riddled with guilt and insecurity. It made me feel that I knew what I was doing and I had something to share. And at that point, I wrote my book, How Do I Tell the Kids About the Divorce, created the, the Child Center Divorce Network, started creating the other programs and courses that I put together, started doing personal coaching and mentoring, and have taken it from there. But it was only after I had that a validation from my own son that I really felt that I had something that I knew was of value to other families. Well, and you know, it's such a, it's such a difficult uh, road to walk uh, when you're going through the divorce and the co-parenting um, because there's so much material out there, but a lot of it's not practical or a lot of it's not applicable, and yes. especially when it comes to high conflict divorce. And you know, I'd like you to define a little bit about high conflict divorce because you know, when divorce, when the parents are like, we don't love each other and everything works out fine, we don't have issues when we. We've got one parent who really likes to stir up trouble. And I don't know if in high-conflict divorces you have two. I, I've only seen you know, um, my own experience, so I don't know. Um, can we talk a little bit about sure. high-conflict sure. divorce? Because I seem to see it a lot. Maybe it's just Los Angeles. Uh, well, unfortunately, it happens way too often. The first thing to remember is that no two divorces are the same. So we, we could never generalize about divorce because every situation is different. There's... The, the length of the marriage, the relationship in the marriage, the age of the children, all of those factors affect the divorce. But a, a high-conflict divorce is one in which the children are exposed to conflict, tension, fighting, disrespect between the parents, bullying. It could be even physical violence. It's, it's something in, in which... The, the children are very aware that mom and dad are not getting along, and very often there's a lot of anger and resentfulness between one or both parents. Sometimes both are participating. Sometimes it's just one, and the other parent is overwhelmed with not knowing how to handle the situation. It's very, very challenging because the, the rules of normalcy and the um, basic communication skills and other things that I like to teach to, to couples who are not on that level don't apply when you're in a high-conflict divorce. You're dealing with someone who would rather be right than happy, and they don't care if they take down their, their um, former spouse and the children and everyone else in the family along, along the way. Usually they justify themselves in being right, which is what most people do, they justify their behavior. They can lie and, and manipulate and coerce. Sometimes money is a factor so that they come up with stories or um, play games in, in, with the legal system because they don't want to um, be 
spending money and on on support and custody and various other factors. Sometimes it's just an ego factor of just wanting to hurt their ex for initiating the divorce or because they're unhappy in life. Uh, very often they have antisocial qualities, the narcissistic personalities, and you can't use logic when you're dealing with people like that. So you have to be very understanding that you're dealing with a difficult personality type. And the most important thing to remember is that tit for tat or, or stepping on toes or pushing to get back usually is not effective and it only accelerates things. In, in most cases, we have to learn to disengage and not get triggered because your well-being when you're on the other side of a, a high conflict um, divorce is very important. If, if you're going to get destroyed by being with someone who's um, just creating havoc in your life, then you're not going to be there to be a parent and, and you can't take care of yourself nor can you take care of your kids. So you need to learn really important self-soothing and supportive skills for yourself first and then, of course, to protect your children in every way you can. And we need to learn to accept the fact that, that we're only human, we're not perfect, we're going to make mistakes, we can't control everything in life around us. It's not like we could step in and, and force another person to change what they're doing or who they are. And sometimes we just have to let go and do the best we can and still love ourselves despite the fact that things aren't perfect. Boy, Rosalind, you just described, you know, my divorce in a nutshell. And, mm -hmm. you know, I wanted to just tap in here and say, you know, that you mentioned a thing about pushing back, you know, the tit for tat. And one of the things that came up in my uh, divorce counseling and things like that is that my ex said, and he was very clear, he even wrote it down on, on a, his, in his journal, that for every offense I would do, he would pay me back tenfold. And, mm -hmm. you know, I've never forgotten that, you know, years later yeah. down the road, um, I'm going to punish you tenfold. And, you know, and it was, and it, you know, it came true to be, and right. your hands get really tied. And so when we come back from the break, we're just about uh, ready to go to commercial break. Uh, I want to talk about, you know, pushing back and disengaging and some of these skills um, you know we talk about reactive and proactive parenting and we're going to define those when we come back after the break we are visiting today with Rosalind Sadaka she is a child-centered divorce specialist so if you are in a divorce if you are contemplating divorce even if you're post-divorce especially with a high conflict personality and we don't really need to define that because anybody listening will know right away if they're in a relationship with a high conflict personality i've been through it i've been dealing with that high conflict personality for 20 years if i can do it you can do it and we're going to learn skills and tips and tricks and techniques that may or may not be out on the internet today with rosalind sadaka my name is sandra beck and we will be back after the break and we will find out about pushing back disengaging and some skills we can do to help our kids through a child-centered divorce and co-parenting experience afterward.
Hey, moms, dads, and grandparents. This is Sandra Beck from Military Mom Talk Radio, and I know how hard it is to provide a great education for military kids. K-12 believes every child is uniquely brilliant. So to prepare them for college and succeed beyond high school, they deserve an education designed just for them. Learn more at k12.com front slash grade about enrollment. A child's brilliance comes in many forms. Some are curious, others inventive, some are analytical. K-12 is a full-time, tuition-free, online option to traditional public school. Taught by state-certified teachers, schools powered by K-12 provide an individualized education, enhancing your child's ability to succeed. K-12 programs teach to and embrace your child's unique brilliance. Students from K-12-powered schools go on to fine colleges and universities, enhancing their ability to succeed in life. Be part of the community of families who have succeeded with a tuition-free online K-12 education. K-12 welcomes students from grade K to 12. Visit k12.com front slash grade or call 855-628-9531 for more information about enrolling. That's k12.com front slash grade. In today's business world, a helping hand or idea that doesn't come with an invoice is a treasured find. And if that happens to you, then you need to pay it forward to keep other entrepreneurs from making mistakes or getting a raw deal. It's called Paying It Forward with Josephine Girasi. Wednesday mornings at 10, 9 a.m. Central. Josephine is going to have the guests describe their accomplishments, the lessons they've learned, both good and bad, and then sharing those pieces of knowledge as we create a movement of Paying It Forward. For more information about Josephine, her business, and background, you can go to MyMomKnowsBest.com. Josephine Girasi has always been a problem solver. She saw this need and has turned it into a movement. It's Paying It Forward. With tips, tools, and advice, and hard lessons learned, these pieces of knowledge can make a huge difference for you, your business, and others. So join us for Paying It Forward with Josephine Girasi, Wednesday mornings at 10 a.m., 9 a.m. Central, on Doginet.com. Hey ladies, this is Sandra Beck and I'm here today on Mio with Rosalind Sadaka and we are focusing on child-centered divorce today. We're going to add a caveat in there. We're going to specialize today in high-conflict divorce and high-conflict co-parenting. This is when you're in a relationship, as Rosalind so perfectly put it, with someone who'd rather be right than happy, that justifies their behavior, that lies, coerces, and plays games. Um, they have a big ego and they're willing to hurt you and they have a lot of you know, antisocial qualities and they can be diagnosed, you know, like my ex as a narcissistic personality disorder or borderline personality or just a difficult personality. And basically if you're in divorce or co-parenting with somebody who's really difficult to get along with and doesn't seem to care who he hurts or who she hurts, um, you're probably dealing with a high conflict person. Now, Rosalind, many of the information that's out there, the, much of the information that's out there is for traditional divorces. And I know we can't lump them all into one, but one of the hardest things, you know, we want to talk about today, which is that active versus reactive parenting, um, 
And how do you do that in a high conflict divorce when the person seems to upset the apple cart and you never know what comes next? But before I'm going to ask you to answer that, I'd like you to explain to us what does that mean, active versus uh, reactive or proactive parenting? Because we hear those terms a lot and I'm not real sure what they mean. Yes. Uh, I like to use proactive and, and reactive because the pro immediately gives you the idea of proactive parenting is what I call thoughtful parenting. It's based on making decisions that are strategically designed to accomplish your goals with minimal stress. And as a parent, we all want that. So what, what we're really talking about is considering the consequences before you act, especially its effects on your children as well as on yourself and, and on your, your co-parent if, if they're in your life. So, so proactive parenting is really thinking and, and not saying, making decisions or doing things regarding parenting until you give it some thought, and that includes consequences. Too often, we are reactive, and reactive is a defensive behavior. Usually, it has something to do with reacting to another party, either your kids or the other parents. And unfortunately, when we're reactive, there's little thinking involved about the consequences of our actions. We're, we're being triggered, so we get angry. Our defenses are up. We, we want to do something to defend ourselves, to hurt the other party, to outmanipulate them, to show our power, whatever it is, and we, we say or do things. As parents, we've all... Um, threatened our kids with something that we know we would never do in a million years, and after a point, our kids know their idle threats, and then they lose their power because we're just talking about something crazy, like, I'll take you out of camp if you don't do this, and of course you're not going to take them out of camp because what are you going to do with them? So, (laughs) So we have to be very careful about reactive parenting. To me, it's like shooting first and aiming second if that's a good analogy. And, sure. and it usually results in putting others on the defensive, and then they react to you, creating a vicious cycle of mistrust and anger and resentfulness. So the way to know whether we're being proactive or reactive is to stop for a minute and ask yourself whether your behaviors are being influenced by your feelings about your former spouse or about your, your kids. Are you, are you responding proactively, which is based on your child's best interest, or are you reacting based on revenge or spite or anger or I'll show them some other kinds of validations for getting even, which is very understandable. When we're put on the defensive, when, when someone is pushing our buttons and angry, then we, we respond in, in the way you were talking about with a high-conflict spouse, that's what they're often doing. But if we're doing the same thing, then we're really putting our children at super harm because neither parent is being a responsible adult. Both of us are, both parents are now in junior high level of just getting back at one another with spite, anger, revenge, I'll show you, and your children's well-being really can be seriously at stake. So we have to be the one who steps up and has a more responsible adult focus. And when you're faced with making decisions about, say, holiday activities, summer vacation, 
uh, whether to attend the school concert or the neighborhood soccer game, etc., are you thinking first about how your child would like things to be and seeing the world from their perspective, or are you basing your decision on creating some revenge and anger to hurt your ex? That's what you have to be very careful about not doing, and that's very often what they're trying to do. So it's a matter of, of thinking of consequences and creating a win-win outcome for your family or versus trying to wield power over your ex and keep them out of the equation. Well, and Rosalind, I'm going to jump in here because I want to, I want to show people what that looks like, if, if, if I may. Mm -hmm. And, um, for example, and this is where, you know, in the beginning when I first uh, started dealing with all this, you know, everybody was like, you have to journal, 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 write it down, write it down. Well, and at first when I wrote all this stuff down, I thought, well, you know, it seemed like just like a, a crab list. You know, he did this. He said that. He did this. He said mm-hmm. that. Da, 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 da. But the funny thing happened on the way to the loony bin <laughs> is when I went <laughs> back like – like weeks and weeks and weeks of journaling because I wrote down every offense, every slight, every whatever, I realized that they fell into like some categories. And mm. and this is what I think of your like proactive reactive thing. Like I used to just react to every little thing. Then I realized after looking at weeks and weeks of journaling that it all came down to like 10 different little categories. It was either name calling and insults, you know, setting me up for failure, you know, sending me to the wrong ballpark telling me the you know game was changed so we get there late um you know that's the setting up for failure changing plans you know no i'm not going to drop them off at five i'll be there at seven then i'll be there at eight i'll be there at nine this happened on halloween then there was lying or misleading the kids just either telling them something or getting the kids to believe something that wasn't true and then there was advice or instruction to the kids that i knew my ex would would um, give them just so they'd be contrary to me. I'm a Christian. I believe my mom went to heaven when she died. They sat down the kids the day after my mom died and told them, oh, no, they crumple up like a leaf and blow away in the dust and they're gone forever and, you know, really traumatic. And the other thing is withholding, not sending over clothes, not sending over team jerseys or keeping cleats, you know, things like that just to mess me up. And when I when I went through all these things, I came up with these categories. And so – when I figured that out, and I encourage everybody listening today to try to figure out what kind of little games, you know, your ex is doing, because then when your kid comes home and drops some bomb, you don't have to get all upset because you go, oh, this is just the lying game, or this is just the mm-hmm. bad advice game, or this is just the withholding game. And when I figured out the games, Rosalind, I could react. I started buying a second set of sports equipment. When we got the team jerseys, I ordered an extra one for our house. You know, even though it was a lot of extra work on my hands and, you know, when the kids would come home with the name calling de jure or the insult de jure, I go, oh, that's just your dad. You know, those are the things he says, but we don't talk exactly. bad about people in our house. Can I, can I just point out that what you did, you didn't react, you acted. That's the difference. When the kids came home and you already had those categories clearly understood, then you could act because you were now coming from a conscious place of understanding and making a decision in which you thought about it first and then had you knew the consequences. If you reacted, that's when you would have been in the past being angry. Why did he do this to me? How could he do this? I don't know what to do now. 
but you no longer were in that reactive place. place. You were in a proactive place because you were prepared and you were thinking first. And that's the different state that we want everyone to understand that it's a choice of getting into. So you learned from your experiences and then you you understood that you you the power came from acting not from just blindly reacting which would have been setting you up for uh, emotional craziness and hurt and pain you stopped the hurt and pain from happening he couldn't hurt you anymore because you were prepared no matter what craziness you said oh this is game number 4 this is game number 7 i know this one i know that one and and you weren't caught off guard any longer absolutely it's like a you know like a, a soccer match or a, i'm from mm-hmm. hockeyville so I, you know you you study the other team and you find out you know what they're doing and you find out you know what their tricks are essentially and exactly. it also takes the emotion out of it because it, when it, whether he calls me fat or stupid or lazy, you know, that was just last week's, you know, list of things. And when I laugh, the kids look at me like, uh, well, why isn't mom upset? And I'm like, they're just words. Just because dad said them doesn't make them true. You know, That's I think I'm pretty fabulous. <laughs> this is such wisdom that you're sharing. What, just because dad said it doesn't make it true. And, and when you laugh, it shows the kids that he has no power over you. And it has no power over you, and it diminishes the, the the words become sillier and stupider and less important, and it almost moves him to a junior high level. With us on Military Mom Talk Radio. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. To lose weight, we know that each day we need to burn more calories than we take in through eating, and exercise burns more calories. According to Discovery Health, a 150-pound person will burn about 60 calories while taking a one-hour nap. One hour of sitting and watching television burns about the same, but if that 150-pound person takes a one-hour brisk walk, then say goodbye to more than 250 calories. Cardio exercise like running, biking, swimming, and brisk walking are the best modes of exercise to burn the highest amount of calories and will get the endorphins flowing in your body. Those feel-good neurotransmitters boost your mood naturally. So use exercise to burn calories, lose weight, and to feel good. I'm Annette Hammond. To hear other fitness and weight loss tips, visit our website at AnnetteHammond.com. It's words you never heard. Got a lead foot? According to state troopers, here's what not to do when you get pulled over. Don't be a lachrymist and start crying right away. It doesn't help. But if you're under 20, crying won't be held against you. Don't ask for a break, and don't yell or start any argy-bargy. And one trooper said, if they're going to flirt with me to get out of a ticket, it would probably insult my intelligence. But unfortunately, I don't get hit on all that often. So flirting or being a gill flirt won't work. Did you know that 15% of all drivers get 76% of all traffic tickets? And the odds of winning if you challenge a traffic ticket in court are 1 in 3. So what should you do when you get pulled over for speeding? Be courteous to the officer and most of all, be honest. It's words you never heard. I'm Carolyn Davidson and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. 
We're back with more great conversation on Military Mom Talk Radio. Hey, ladies, this is Sandra Beck. We're visiting today with Rosalind Sadaka, and she is a child-centered divorce expert, and she has helped me personally uh, as many steps of the way of my own divorce um, and co-parenting experience with a high-conflict personality, basically somebody who fights about everything. He can't be wrong or she can't be wrong, doesn't say they're sorry, sets you up for failure, all those good things. The great thing about today's show is that we can help you with just a piece of paper, sit down and write down all those things that happen over and over and over so you can have a game plan, just like a soccer or a hockey team knows you know, who the top scorer is, and we adjust. As moms, what we do is we write down those things that we know that our ex-husband or ex-wife does just to set us off so we're ready because when you're forewarned like that and you got your playbook and you, just Rosalind said, you know, you 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 know that's play number four or play number six. You can have go-to um, statements that really diffuse everything, disengage. It's great for your kids, and it's great for you. And one of the my go-to statements, Rosalind, is always, well, just because Dad said it doesn't make it true. <laughs> I love that. I and, and that's so important, and it's important for the children to hear because – you are being a role model to your children every moment, more than what you say, it's what you do, how you behave, how you act, the decisions you make. And while our children are young, we're not going to get them coming up and, and acknowledging us. But believe me, when they grow up, they pick up. They're smart. They're absorbing things. They're watching things. They have a gut feeling for, for true love and for people who are hurtful and manipulative and they will thank you in the long run for what you're doing. So don't give up and don't feel hopeless and don't feel your kids are being brainwashed because very often they will turn around as, as they grow and mature and get the wisdom to see things differently. There's also a, a statement I want to share with you. It's, it's a quote from Eleanor Roosevelt that I think everyone needs to take to heart. And she said, no one can make you feel inferior without your consent. I'm going to repeat that. No one can make you feel inferior without your consent. That's a profound statement because if you're dealing in a situation when you have someone in your life who hammers away at you and, and tries to put you down and belittle you and, and treats you with disrespect, it doesn't mean it's so unless you buy in. And if you're feeling like you're buying in, then reach out for help, get support, find a coach, a therapist, a group, find the support you need because you need to be stepping back into your power. Once you know that whatever they say has nothing to do with you, it isn't about you, it doesn't describe you, then you could move ahead with confidence and be the parent, the relationship partner, the professional and anything else that you want to be in life. But if you buy into feeling inferior because someone just told you that, then it's your responsibility to make that shift and get out of that headspace. You never want to, to have consent and, and believe anything inferior about you. 
Well, and I'm going to give a like kind of what it looks like, you know, at, you know, day to day parenting it, with that. Um, I have in my high conflict divorce situation, uh, an ex and an ex's girlfriend slash wife that constantly berates my kids when I put them in clothes. Like if I buy them clothes, they're cheap. If I buy them clothes, they're ugly. If I buy them clothes, they don't match. Your mother dresses you in girls' shirts. This is a girl's T-shirt. You know, all this garbage, whatever. And, you know, my kids would come home tweaked. You know, they're like, Mom, why'd you buy me a girl's shirt? I'm like, it's a T-shirt. It's not a girl's shirt. It's red with a flag on it. Get over it. But you can't do that. So what I did was I took my kids in the bathroom and I took three shirts. And I I share this with the moms because it was really effective for my my kids. I had them stand in the bathroom and I had them put on a really nice shirt, you know, a, a polo, you know, with a collar and everything. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, who's looking at you in the mirror? Oh, it's Max and Zach. And, you know, Max is smart and funny and Zach is funny and smart. You know, you're both great athletes. You know, you're both good hearts and, you know, you, you're just wonderful little boys. Okay. Then I took it off and I had them put on a dirty shirt from the laundry, which they were like, oh, this is so gross, you know, and, <laughs> and, you know, it was wrinkly and stained. And I said, look at you, you're in a wrinkly stained shirt. Who's in the mirror. Hey, it's Max and Zach. It's they're wonderful kids. They're good athletes. They're smart and funny and, you know, have great hearts. Gee, they're still the kid in the dirty shirt, but they're the same person inside. And, you know, and then I had them take their shirts off completely and look in the mirror and I said, who's in the mirror? And I said, no matter what people say about you on the outside, doesn't change who you are on the inside. And you got to hold on to that inside. And recently, Rosalind, my son came home because the, the ex's friend or co-parent, whatever, on that side of the family said, you shouldn't be friends, you know, with kids whose clothes don't match and their clothes are dirty and, you know, the little gossip gossip. And he came home and he says, you know what, mom? He goes, I'm going to choose the people for who they are on the inside because that doesn't change and you can count on that. And, you know, when you take these awful situations and you flip them around into teaching moments, because you know what, every kid's going to get bullied at some point. It might be the step parent. It might be the parent. It might be the teacher. It might be the kid at school. So giving your kids these tools kind of takes the, oh my God, this sucks out of parenting (laughs) because you can take these things and turn them into parenting teaching moments rather than step parent and co-parent failures. And our children do hear and listen and absorb because there's a, their inner gut is telling them when something is right versus when they're hearing something that's really off. And that's, that's the side that's going to prevail. I know it's tough when you're dealing in a, in a really difficult situation, but you're, you need to trust your kids. They, they will pick up on the difference. So be be the role model that you want to have for your children and trust that, that your kids are going to get that and pick up on it. That was a wonderful example. Thank you. Well, thank you. And, you know, one of the things I either learned from you or my therapist or maybe everybody, I think everybody's told me this thing. Um, when your kids come home with something, you know, they bring home like – things like a virus, you know, they bring home, you know, gossip or name calling or insults. It comes into your house just like a cold, you know, like they carry it back between the houses. And one of the things that I've taught my kids is to ask them when something happens and they tell it to me, I don't get involved in what happened. I just ask them, well, how did that make you feel when that happened? And I've taught my kids to do a head check, heart check, gut check. And they're like, they laugh. They're like, head check, heart check, gut check. But I ask them to think about it in their head. Listen to it. 
does it sound right? You know, does it think right, you know, in their heads? Then I ask them to look at their heart. How does their heart feel? Does it feel tight and squishy? You know, does it feel happy and joyful? How does their heart feel? And then I ask them to think about their tummy. Like, does your stomach hurt? Do your stomach gets in knots? And I said, these are like our truth barometers in our body. And just like a temperature, you know, you can take the temperature of your head, your heart, and your gut when somebody says this, anything to you for any reason. And you get them to to get in tune with who they are. And then you don't have to get into the he said, she said, why did she do this? What did they mean? And blah, 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 blah. You talk about the kid and how he feels. And it's almost like magic, Rosalind, that stuff like all the bad feelings, like they'll say, well, when she said that, it made my head hurt or it made my heart pound or my stomach felt bad. Well, then we probably know that probably wasn't true or probably wasn't very nice or, you know, and we help them to, to learn, like, like use that great brain God gave you or use that great heart God gave you or use that great gut instinct God gave you so they can navigate it because then they don't have to choose whose parent is right. That's right. I, I love that. And it's so important to reiterate that when kids start paying attention to how they're feeling, they will naturally understand which parent is, is giving them conscious, truthful advice and wisdom versus which parent is, is being a bully or, or manipulating or, or being disrespectful to the other. They start feeling that in their, in their gut, and while they may not say anything, they're getting that difference. And so... In the long run, it always pays to take the high road and to share that wisdom with them because they are getting it. And in in so many cases of parental alienation, which is the most extreme end of divorce gone badly, or in um, high-conflict divorce, so often when children grow up, they will turn on the parent that thought they had the control and the power to manipulate those children, and they will really resent them <clears throat> and hold them responsible for the <clears throat> excuse me for the poor behavior they had in parenting. So keep that in mind when you're feeling the frustration um, and the stress and anxiety of dealing with the challenges that you're dealing with on a day-to-day basis. Well, and that's really important, Rosalind, you know, and you brought up a term that, you know, I really didn't even know about until, you know, I got into therapy and got into the courts and things like that. And, you know, that's the term parental alienation. And I'd love in the next segment to talk about um, parental alienation, because that's really a big part of and it can be subtle, it can be overt, you know, there's so many different ways that that you can do that, that I really want to talk um, to that topic in the next segment. Um, We're going to go to commercial break shortly, but I invite you, especially if you have little boys, I know some little girls like superheroes, but whenever I don't know what to do in a situation, I put on my Batman cloak. And I have these Batman t-shirts, Rosalind, that I wear. And when I'm going to go into a high conflict situation with my ex, I'll have them under my sweater. I'll, you know, I have the bat shield. I love it. <laughs> you know, and I really imagine myself as Batman facing the Joker. And if you watch any of the Batman movies, you'll see the Joker, you know, plays all these games and um, one of the things they're really good about is parental alienation. So when we get back from the break, we're going to talk about what that is, what does it look like, how do we combat it, and I invite everybody out there today to put on your bat cloak, put on your bat shield, and go out and be the best parent you can be. More after the break. 
We'd love to hear from you. Check us out at MilitaryMomTalkRadio.com or find us on Twitter and Facebook. Our shows are available on iTunes anytime from 0-100 hours to 23:59. For now, stay right where you are. There's more Military Mom Talk Radio after these messages. Welcome to Geraldine Tegelove Live, the show that shares with you the secrets of redefining, reinventing, and rebuilding your life. Having pulled herself from the rubble of financial ruin and having gone on to create a highly successful career, Geraldine has become an expert in the art of transformation. She believes that it doesn't matter where you are right now, how overwhelmed you feel, or how impossible the task of turning your life around may seem. You can do it. Stay tuned as metaphysician, international best-selling author, and intuitive Geraldine Tegelov gives you the inner understanding and the outer practical how-to to create your amazing life. Gain a fresh perspective on how to redefine, reinvent, and rebuild your life. Join Geraldine Tegelov live every Tuesday evening at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on the Toginet Radio Network. some fun facts about noses and ears I'll bet you didn't know. Did you know your ears secrete more earwax when you're afraid than when you aren't? And generally people with asthma have better hearing than those who don't. Now here's a word for you. When someone gets their ears pierced, they're actually piercing their pinna. The pinna is the fleshy part of the earlobe. Did you know it's possible to sneeze so hard you can break a rib? That happened to my husband's secretary once. And according to research, you'll blow your nose 250 times this year. Scientists have also determined that the smell in your right nostril is more pleasant, while the smell in your left nostril is more accurate. By the way, twice as many men as women can wiggle their ears. It's I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. We're back with more great conversation on Military Mom Talk Radio. Hey, Mamas, this is Sandra Beck. We were talking today with Rosalind Sadaka, and we are talking about some tools, tips, tricks, techniques, you will name it. We got it for high-conflict divorce and high-conflict co-parenting situations. And before we went to break, uh, I made a statement that before I have an interaction with my ex, I think of myself as Batman, and I wear a Batman T-shirt. You know, sometimes I wear it out in public. Sometimes I wear it under a sweater or a sweatshirt, but it's got a big bat shield that covers covers my heart. And um, I always envision myself as I am Batman and I'm going up against the Joker. And if you remember the Joker from the movies, he's joking around, and, but he's hurtful in his joking around. And so um, it's very interesting to me to talk to uh, Rosalind today about that term parental alienation. Like what is it? What does it mean? What does it look like? And what can we do? So Rosalind, what is parental alienation? Well, parental alienation is when one parent feels, and usually very justified and self-righteous, in keeping the children from either physically or emotionally being with the other parent. So it can be as extreme as keeping the children from having any contact from the other parent. And there, there are sadly parents around this globe who lost total access to their children. Sometimes they 
move and don't let the other parent know and and the the parent spends 20 30 40 years never having contact with their children in many cases it's more subtle where they alienate the children and they they blame all the problems in the world on the other parents so that the children stop wanting to be around the other parent or liking or respecting the other parent and i have some examples of things that one might say and you may have even caught yourself or your ex saying some of these things from time to time if you only knew how bad your father was you'd understand why we're divorcing well that immediately alienates and and puts such a bad tinge on the other parent or your mom left me and i wanted to keep our family together again making the the mom or the dad the bad guy your mom or dad was an adulterer, an alcoholic, a drug addict, a workaholic, and I had to leave to protect you children. Now, very often people will justify saying something like that, even if it's true. And one of the biggest rules of co-parenting after divorce is you never, ever share with children adult information. If you want to tell your kids that there was an adultery that affected the divorce, then you wait till they're in their 20s when they're grown adults and you could talk about that if you feel it's something you need to do. But talking about adult issues with children burdens them emotionally and psychologically and suddenly they don't know what to do with that information. They don't totally understand it. Adults have enough trouble themselves understanding all of the parameters of these things. And so these kids can never get back the childhood that was taken from them because they're dealing with understanding about drugs and alcohol and, and other kinds of issues that we want to protect them from. Another statement that's alienating is, is we'll get back together. Mom or dad just needs time. And then you're setting your kids up for disappointment. When a divorce happens, you don't want to leave open the the flicker of light that something's going to change even if one parent wants it to change it isn't fair to the children or saying something like i don't know why dad left us why don't you just ask him yourself that's a, that's alienating your kids from the other parent making them the bad guy and creating this chasm between the kids and their parent or if you don't like it here you could go live with your mother well, that's, uh, you know, frightening and intimidating to the kids and makes them feel suddenly that they're going to be rejected by one parent. It, it puts the other parent in, in the light of it's a punishment. And another variation of that is if you still love your mom so much, why don't you just go live with her? The kid, It's a no-win situation for your children. All of those kinds of subtle dialogues that, that – so many parents throw around are really hurtful or confusing for children and most of all they rob them of their childhood and they put a lot of tension and pressure on on children's innocent little psyches and I'm talking about children even when they're teenagers they're still not emotionally equipped to be handling adult issues we all know how poorly adults do at handling it so giving giving these situations over for for kids to be dealing with and hoping to fix when it's impossible just makes life so much harder for them. 
Now, so, Rosalind, I'm going to ask you real quickly here. Now, in a high-conflict situation, you know, and this is, again, and every divorce is different, but some of the things that I have experienced, um, you know, my kids come home and say, you know, well, Dad left you because he didn't love you anymore, and he fell in love with Christine, and she's a better person than he is, and da-da-da-da. Or, you know, Jenny told me, you know, that this is what so-and-so said, and we saw it on the Internet, or we saw this. There's a lot of times when you have the cats out of the bag because the high yeah. conflict parent puts it all out. Like in my situation, the high conflict parent has put it all out on the table for what went wrong and justifies their behavior being right. And right. some of it That's was true. Some of it was untrue, but it was completely inappropriate for, of course, you know, it's totally inappropriate because now you're, your kids are having to think about things that they shouldn't be burdened with, but that that is what it is, and that's why you're you're stepping into being a proactive parent. So you're you're used to knowing that this inappropriate information is being shared, and then you move into the prepared answers that you have, where you say as little as you can, but you do respond, you answer correctly, you you don't lie but you don't feed into that and you move into another dialogue which is more important about feeling and and love and emotions and in, enjoying the present rather than getting into what happened last week at dad's house because there's there's no win there there there's nothing positive in digging deeper and you could always end with saying just because dad said it doesn't mean it's so and move on. After a point, it becomes a joke in the house, and everyone can just shrug their shoulders and move on. So you're not giving it credibility, and that's the most important thing. Uh, Sandra, can I tell everyone um, yeah. where my to find my website? Because we Absolutely. have so many um, articles and um, programs uh, that are available at childcenteredivorce.com. If you click on the coaching button, there are several different offers there that that would would fit for um, learning more about co-parenting skills. The articles, the blogs. There's a, an expert um, speaker series there where you could listen to um, me interviewing other experts, and there's places for uh, you to listen to experts interviewing me. So the resources are there, and I have a free ebook for all of your listeners right on the home page, Post-Divorce Parenting Success Strategies for Getting It Right. And there's a lot of valuable information there on getting through divorce and meeting the challenges that happen in, in co-parenting. So I just encourage everyone to check that out. That's so important, you know, because there are – it's really hard to know where to turn um, with these issues and, you know, how to handle them. And I'm going to say, you know, clearly to everyone, I go once a week to a high-conflict divorce specialist therapist. I use my health insurance. You know, I, I make the copayment. There are people who will take sliding scale. It's really helpful to have somebody to talk to every week while you figure this out who can give you the answers. A lot of times, Rosalind, my kids will bring something up and I won't deal with it <laughs> at the time because I yes. – 
I got nothing, you know. <laughs> I'm like, wow, I don't know how to explain an affair to a six-year-old. I don't even know what that mm-hmm. really means. Um, and she has given me invaluable advice and tools. And the one thing I would like to leave with everybody before we end the end of the show is always ask what that means. Always ask, well, why did you say that? Why did you ask that? Because what I found with, you know, raising kids from the age of, of, you know, three months to two years up to now, my kids are nine and 12, is that the best thing I can do is say, well, why would you say that? Or why did you ask that? Or what does that mean? What does affair mean? Because they might hear these words and not really know what they mean. And then you blabbed, you know, and I did this, I made this mistake. I gave a good answer of what I thought, but I opened up a bigger can of worms. Exactly. That, that you made a very, very important point. Ask first because there, you may be just moving beyond something that they're not even understanding and you could, you could shift the conversation in another direction very easily or you could be clarifying things that, that are really confusing for them and then you're making the important point that you're trying to make at the same time. So Always ask those questions first to find out and find out what feeling questions, because that's what they're really getting at. It's not a matter of getting a Wikipedia answer about something. It's really they're feeling something. They're feeling insecure. They're feeling uh, frightened, confused, uh, defensive, angry. And if you ask questions that get to the root of the feelings, then you're able to move ahead and, and provide the kind of answers they're looking for because they're looking to feel better, and that's the most important thing. And when you're talking to kids, try to get down on their level, be there for them, look in their eyes, hear them, hug them, and handle them with empathy. Put yourself in their shoes because the world is very confusing for kids in general, and when you're dealing with a divorce and when you're dealing with a contentious divorce and, and a conflict in their lives, then you want to really be ex- especially careful and compassionate and empathic when you're talking to them. This is Sandra Beck and Rosalind Sadako. We'll see you again next week. Thanks for tuning in to Military Mom Talk Radio. Want more information? Check us out at MilitaryMomTalkRadio.com or find us on iTunes for more than 200 free episodes. Drop us an email or find us on Facebook. We are looking forward to another great discussion. We hope you'll join us on Military Mom 